All right, so this is a new format episode that we're gonna give a shot at here. We're gonna try to do something a little bit different. And the concept here is that there are so many um, different things going on in the real estate industry on a regular basis. And there's so much news going on, government policy, changing economic considerations, um, lenders, um, investment opportunities, so much more. And so we're going to commit to doing at least a once a month market update that's really specific to what's going on in that state and time. So of course these episodes could get dated, but it'd be really interesting to listen to and know what's going on. So we're gonna combine um, obviously news and information. So what's going on right now and an overview as what we're seeing and a little bit of a breakdown and opinion. What's up guys, you are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate and simplify the complicated. So today's agenda, some exciting stuff going on in the market. Um, and obviously, some of it is, uh, you know, going to come down to rate pricing and lender pricing. I know that's not what everybody's really interested in. But I mean, it has to be a conversation that we at least touch on. Um, and of course, as we work our way through this, we've got some other things that we want to touch on when it comes to strategy, uh, an explanation of folks who have an existing mortgage, what they should consider, and realistically, where some different opportunities might lie on this current market right now. So getting right into it, more than anything else, right now, what's in the news when it comes to real estate is rates, 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 rates. And obviously, there's a point at which we get tired of talking about rates uh, from the news perspective. At the end of the day, it is still something that must be considered and must be talked about. And so the last couple of weeks going on three to four weeks now, the fixed rates have actually kind of come back in the news. And the reason for that is that one of the core indicators of, well, where fixed interest rates are, which is the five-year bond yield on a five-year fixed rate, that's one of the core indicators there, has actually gone down almost a full point from where it was in the beginning of June, but recently come back up. Guys, it's been an interesting last couple of uh, weeks and months. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, the just on the rate piece, on a good note, we haven't seen a ton of upward movement. And like I kid you not, we've been seeing, well, everyone probably knows this, but we've been seeing upward pressure on every single interest rate and every single product being offered for probably the better part of six to eight months. So the fact that we've kind of seen things stabilize, we have, to Alex's point, seen some five-year fixed rates come down. That's really been the only product that we have seen decrease. Uh, one of the major banks actually dropped their five-year fixed a tiny bit. Uh, minuscule, but they did come down on their five-year just yesterday. Uh, we are seeing bond yields starting to increase again. So what that means uh, for interest rates, we'll just have to kind of see it play out. But what I've been seeing and what a lot of people don't see because it isn't in the news are the people getting prepped for what's to come. And that's what we're really on the front lines of. And, and we see this firsthand are investment-driven people or first-time buyers who are ready to get into the market and everyone's a little bit skeptical but they're getting set up they're getting their ducks in a row they're getting pre-approved uh, and there's a lot of talk about people starting to pull the trigger and fall right and i personally think that we're going back to a market where there's markets inside of our market right historically when kids go back to school which is in two weeks the market would pick up Right. For the last two or three years, we haven't had that. It's just been steady, busy for through every single month of the year. 
so it's very likely that we're going to have a bit of a an uptick here with transactions and then we might see a spring market again like historically those are the two busy markets when kids go back to school and then spring market after the holidays so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out yeah that's a good point i mean markets within markets uh, that's what was common when we first started working in this industry is it was quite common to see that uh, september boom i guess you could say and then uh, you know a tail off in in the winter months when uh, people you know are back on vacation like they are currently you know it is common to see a you know a slowing period uh during those times and i think that's exactly what we're we're experiencing now especially with you know the pandemic or the end of the pandemic uh, travel boom that's kind of going on right now it, it almost every single person i've talked to over the last six to eight weeks is either on vacation going on vacation or just got back from vacation so it's um interesting to to see to see this kind of come back to n normal i i guess um pace that we're used to for sure i mean specifically speaking as derek mentioned in, in terms of the interest rate charts um yes there's a lot of mini movements that have been going on and it was like a, a constant uphill excuse me, an uphill uh, run for the better part of, uh, I don't know, four or five months. Uh, the last a couple of months have been really interesting to your point. As we did see the bond yields taper off, we did see some of the non-bank related lenders offer better discounts on their rates. But uh, specifically the big ones, Scotia's, TD's, CIBC's, these guys have kind of left things as they are. No big changes, uh, interest rates staying steady. And that, that, I mean, really quickly, just to plug on that, it speaks to the value of obviously working with a mortgage professional that can explore different lenders. Sometimes the banks obviously have good products available to them, but it is something to, uh, to consider. Now, some of the suggestions from our, moving on to the next topic there, is some of the suggestions from uh, some of the experts in the space is that we might see some of the banks being forced to be a little bit more competitive, specifically in the mortgage broker channel over the course of the next 12 months. Um, traditionally speaking, Scotiabank has been one of the top lenders uh, in the country when it comes to mortgage volume, but TD stepped up in the last year and started uh, introducing a new product in the mortgage broker space. And we've also seen uh, that many of the other banks are now talking about coming back into the mortgage broker channel. There could be more competition, which is a good thing for consumers and really a great thing for people who are working with a mortgage broker to to look at their different options. So that's just a little bit of a tidbit here. So we talked a little bit about getting back into normalized values and normalized markets, like Derek mentioned, and obviously everybody's best guess is what's going on. But one of the biggest things that's coming up here, as we all know, is September 7th. And on September 7th, the Bank of Canada is meeting. Gentlemen, any thoughts and feelings on what that means? And just really what you think is going to happen. The government has been quite transparent with what their targets are through the entire pandemic. Like we've talked about uh, when they were dropping rates and, and right to the point of increasing rates, they've been pretty open and, and transparent about that. And, and they've said that they will be raising interest rates on September 7th. So it shouldn't be a surprise to see an increase. I think the more, um, the, the one thing that everyone's wondering is just how much. Uh, what what they've said is to to essentially stop raising rates, not necessarily start dropping them or start to drop them, but what will plateau the rates is four consecutive months of of inflation data being down, and we we only have one reported month so far, which was July, uh, where we saw the inflation data coming down, and by September seventh, they they won't actually have the data uh, public at that point for August, so. Um, typically that data comes out within the second week of the following month. So my, you know, as they've said, 
regardless of even knowing what August data would be, if even, even if it was down, they would be raising rates no matter what. So um, what we were told initially was if the inflation data was up in July, we would probably have seen another 75 basis points increase or higher. And, and because it was down, we're probably looking at somewhere around 50 basis points uh, for just due to the inflation data finally being down for July. So that, that's what we're being told and that's what we should expect. I agree, hundred percent. I would bank on fifty basis points. Could be higher. Uh, only time will tell. And I think this is part, this plays into part of a lot of uh, our investor clients' mindsets that like the October November markets are going to be where the real deals are going to are going to be available because you can you consecutively see additional rate hikes. The market's going to continue to slow because of fear and media and whatnot, right? And I think you're really only going to see a dramatic uptick and things are going to change and the media will change when the rates stop increasing and maybe even potentially drop, even if it's slight, that's when we're going to see a big wave. And, and again, everyone's outlook's going to change as soon as that happens. So, uh, yeah, I've, there's a lot of talks about, you know, in the next three to six months is probably the time to buy could be, uh, if you're looking to get in at, you know, probably close to lowest possible prices. Yeah, and you're right. And there's experts on uh, one side that are saying, Hey, we're, we're in the rally. We're seeing things, come back here because we're going to entering a normalized uh, September market and we are still seeing people looking to buy and the immigration. And then to your point, uh, there's there's just such a subset of people that just are ready to buy. But as you mentioned, just won't due to the fact that they just don't feel comfortable with the unknowns. So to to speak, and we've got a full episode coming up in the next week here on a stress test and, and how it works and the real impact. So we won't spoil that and get too deep into it. But really quickly, guys, like if the rates go up by a half percent, that represents about a four percent drop in borrowers capabilities so if they qualify uh for five hundred thousand dollars you know they're going to be seeing a reduction of about twenty thousand dollar qualification might not seem like a lot but it adds up pretty quickly uh interesting note on that cibc's economists are holding pat on the suggestion that they're going to see a three-quarter point uh bump and we're even seeing some economists and again you get you get different people in any and suggesting that we could see a total 1.5 percent increase before the year is over so uh, you know, hold on to your hats. A lot's going to really depend on what happens here, economically speaking, in the last couple of months. It, more, and this is deeper, so we won't go too far down here. But economically speaking, we've also seen revised reports come out from the Bank of Canada about the actual economic inflation numbers from January and February. Basically, what that means is they're saying they revised it and said actually we underestimated how fast inflation was growing in January and February this year by by like an entire point. So they adjusted their numbers to go back on that, which is pretty wild and pretty interesting to say the least. So moving on, um, you know, some other big things in the uh, conversation right now, we need to talk about it. Um, the traditional alternative lender model, if anybody doesn't know what that is, an alternative lender is basically just a non, not a traditional bank. So it's none of the six big banks. And normally, um, you know, uh, 10 years ago or five years ago, they might be called B lenders or subprime lenders. And for the sake of conversation, you can still call them whatever you want. Um, but basically, these are lenders that focus on essentially financing people who don't qualify conventionally at the banks for a variety of reasons. It could be credit related. It could be rental properties. It could be uh, unique sources of income or short term income, self-employed, so much more. Um, but they also do something unique, and it's, it's essentially called extending ratios, which basically means they can qualify you for sometimes a higher loan amount. We are seeing these lenders hit record quarters or record volumes 
in the last uh, six months. So basically, they're funding more mortgages than ever. And I can tell you just based on, I mean, you guys, you, you talk about it obviously as a team here, we're seeing more and more and more people have to go down this road. I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. So we could we could probably focus in on just why you guys are thinking that we're seeing this more and, and where it's making sense for people and why a listener might want to be interested in Altlender. Yeah, I mean, pricing alone, just to speak to that, I mean, a lot of five-year fixed at conventional A-type lenders, you're looking at 5.4, 5.5%. Um, we have clients getting into like stated income, very unique self-employed programs, stuff that the banks don't even offer, and they're getting one-year fixed rates at 5.39%, right? So it's not apples to apples because it's a one-year compared to a five-year. But even then, I mean, a one-year fixed at most banks is still in that same range. So the rate itself is not dramatically different. And I think people get scared when you hear about an alternative lender or a B lender, whatever you want to call it. The main difference is the fee, right? There is a fee, there's an extra cost. But again, this is achieving a dramatically higher qualification, especially if you're utilizing a self-employed program. Um, and there's different ways to look at it, right? This, this could mean that for that borrower, they don't have to wait two years and readjust their taxes just to qualify with the Scotias and TDs of the world. It allows them to buy a property now, which could have massive appreciation if the market picks up in the next one to two years, right? Um, so it's more of a now situation. It's something that you can actually pursue right away. These lenders, just so everyone knows, you have to have a minimum of 20% down in most situations, sometimes a little bit more if it's a rental. Um, but yeah, from a pricing perspective, and these are banks, right? These aren't like one-off institutions that you've never heard of. Canadian Western Bank will plug them. Massive lender. They're a very business-driven institution and they have programs for business owners. So yeah, I mean, th these programs have been amazing in, in this rate environment for sure, because it can help qualify someone where Otherwise, they're not achieving their goals. Yeah, I mean, the nature of their, like, to your point, they are primarily a business for self-focused lender. And, you know, what some of the other changes we've seen them come out with lately is actually extending their amortizations as well. So, you know, their payment plans are going from a 30-year to a 35-year, uh, which obviously helps from a qualification standpoint. It helps bring the payments down. So in a lot of cases, a payment on, you know, a program like this over a 35 year amortization is actually less monthly than, you know, your typical mainstream big five bank like Scotia or TD that you're used to. Yeah, well said. And I don't know that there's too much to add to that without going on down the whole conversation of why I use an alt lender. We've done these uh, podcasts in the past. I think there's it's worth updating with a lot of the changes. But the short version is that we're doing probably I mean, I don't know the numbers, but I would imagine we're probably doing 50 more 50 percent more alt deals and alt mortgages in the last um, quarter compared to the first quarter. And again, it comes down to qualification more than anything else. When the rates are comparable and you can get into the market, get that home that you're looking for, why not consider it as an option? It's not right for everybody, but with the right preparation, it's key. Uh, moving on to the next topic, renewals are coming up fast and furious. Uh, 2017, 2018, as we know, were big years in real estate, specifically 2017. So we're at 2022, a lot of renewals coming up right now for mortgages. Um, really quick, on my thoughts on that are that it's shocking how many people are waiting until the last month before their mortgages are coming up for renewal before reaching out and talking to your mortgage professional. Um, we've been working very hard and diligently behind the scenes to make sure that we're contacting our clients or at least reaching out every single year, especially in the last three years here. Uh, and we'll continue to do so for all of our new clients. And we know we realize that that service just doesn't happen with the banks and or if you go direct to the online lenders or anything of that nature. So what we're finding is that a lot of folks are, are, are a month or two weeks or, or one week before funding and then they're now 
now rushing. Okay, oh my gosh, what do I do? How do I make a decision? And in some situations, these banks will will try to entice you to make a quick decision, a quick call, and and people are just stressed out or and, and nervous. The flip side of that is we got folks that are getting prepared, but you know they're now up six months from now, and we're like, what do we do? Like, what's going on right now? So, I mean, take a minute or two, guys. Just talk for a minute or two about what people can do first of all to protect themselves against that last minute situation to consider and then what are we doing for people that are six to 12 months out i think there's similar situations in the fact that it's hard to it's hard to decide what you want to do long term in this market because it's so it's just it's such a unpredictable market at this current point in time with fixed rates being so high it's pretty hard to digest locking into a five-year term at though at this level and so when you're coming up for renewal, if you're in a five-year fixed and you're, you know, you're up for maturity, you're probably being pushed another five-year fixed. Or even if you're in a variable, the bank's sales tactic is to push you into a fixed rate mortgage because it's, more, it's a more profitable product for the bank. So people are getting these phone calls or they're reaching out because they're being proactive and they're getting the same feedback. You know, hey, you can lock in early and, and getting pressure to do it now. So I find like whether you're being prepared or, or you're just at the last minute, you're getting similar stress situations to make an immediate decision. And, and my, my advice for somebody that's in a six month you know, window would probably just be to just hold tight for a second. And, and ultimately, if you're comfortable with your payment plan now, I would just wait and let's see, let's just evaluate this from a month to month perspective because things are changing quickly. We're already starting to see rates come down slightly on the fixed rate side. That could change, you know, what happens in September could have a big impact. The inflation data that's gonna to continue to come out over the next two to three months could be, have a big impact. So anyone in that six month window definitely would not be urgently rushing to do something now if the bank is pressuring you to do that. And uh, and if you're at the if you're at the tail end and you and you do need to make an immediate decision because you're up for maturity, I would consider a variable because the variable just gives you the flexibility to continue to navigate the market and maybe make a change um, later on. Yeah, all very good points. Rates can be held for 120 days with most institutions. So if you're on top of your renewal, there's no harm in locking in four months prior to something that you think you want and then just waiting and watching because the market can change, right? So trying to stay on top of that and it's something that we're talking about more and more and more because I think a lot of clients are just simply uneducated on the fact that you're coming up for renewal. A lot of people just think, well, I got to stay with Scotia. I got to stay with Coast Capital. And you know what? That might be the best option, but you have to have a conversation with your broker because there could be a better option. It could be a good time to restructure. Keep in mind, like if you've made it through a five-year term, that's rare. Most people don't make it through their five-year term. Um, and if you're there, you have an opportunity to adjust. You have an opportunity to, to re-amortize if it makes sense. You can pull out money and renovate. Like You can do whatever you want with no penalties because you've made it through that term. So it's good just to do some planning and, and have a strategic conversation to see if it does make sense. And you know we have these conversations all the time. And a lot of times, the lender that they're with is the most competitive. And it does make sense for them to stay. But at least you can go into that and sign that document knowing that you're making the right decision. Okay. Yeah. These, these all make a lot of sense. And I mean, again, we've done renewal based episodes. Uh, the more and most important thing here at the end of the day is a 
try not to leave it to the last minute, but B, even if you did leave it to the last minute, some circumstances, like I have a client that I talked to, they, they couldn't qualify for a new mortgage, but we were able to help leverage their uh, negotiation to help save them about 30 points on their rate, um, just because of the conversation we had. And, you know, of course, it would have made sense for them to restructure the loan. They just didn't qualify. So we at least helped them get to a better situation and no cost to the client either, right? Just a service we're helping them out with. Uh, last couple things here, um, and we'll uh, we'll end the episode with the market update because there's a lot of good stuff in here. Is um, you know this trigger rate conversation? Uh, there's there's probably I'm getting anywhere between three to five requests daily from people on all platforms all over the place around what am I hitting my trigger rate? What's going on and what's happening? And I really quickly just want to define like what does that even mean and what's going on because. There's a difference between like like a trigger rate and a trigger point and and, the, and and there's just so much, there's like a cloud of uncertainty. Again, this isn't a full episode. This is meant to just summarize. So if there's some gaps missing, please, you know, obviously forgive us on this. But first and foremost, a trigger rate is in, in mortgage where it's a fixed payment variable rate loan. So a lot of lenders don't have these products, but the ones that do, some of them offer the ability that your payment can remain the same up until the point that you're essentially paying 100% interest. So if you got a mortgage uh, in January and your rate was 1.5% and today it's gone up by 2%, now it's 3.5%, you could be getting close to what's called the, the trigger point or if you want to call it essentially the trigger rate. The trigger rate is the rate at which you, again, are paying 100% interest, which means you're essentially just paying off your mortgage like a HELOC. The bank doesn't want to see that. They don't want that on their books. You need to be making some form of principal payment. What's confusing for most people is that they're reaching out to their banks and asking, hey, what's my trigger rate? And straight up, it's different for every single person based on the, the how much you paid off on your loan, if you've made any prepayments, the period of time, and so much more. So it's, it's, it's very difficult for the bank to actually define that to you um, but what you do need to know is that if you have not made any principal payments to your loan and you got your mortgage in the last four to six months if interest rates increase by around two to three percent which is we're getting close to that right now there is going to become a point very soon where you will, where you will have a choice and your choice will be to a increase your payments to ensure that you are paying some principal down b put down a lump sum to ensure that you're paying down or c in some cases lock into the bank's fixed rate mortgage. What I've found is most scary for people is just the unknown and how much will I raise my payments. But what I think people need to know here is that no, you're not going to be required to increase your payments the same as, for example, if you had a floating rate variable where payments have gone up you know, $200, $300, $400, $800 in these situations. You're just supposed to continue to ensure that you're still paying off principal on your loan. Now, every bank is different, and I'm just giving a general synopsis here, but it's important for all those folks who have these fixed payment variable rate mortgages not to get too stressed out, but just to be aware, just to be aware, because I think there's a lot of hoopla in, out there, and Google's showing us that there have been more searches for trigger rates and trigger payments than ever, ever, historically speaking, but there's just such a lack of understanding and people are wondering if I have a $500,000 loan, does that mean my payment's going to go up a thousand bucks? The answer to that is no, no, it's not. But each situation is unique here. Yeah. It, it is important to be aware because you know, a lot of those scenarios involve maybe a lump sum payment or to your point, you know, the refinancing or, or restructuring of things could, could ultimately get you away from a big payment increase. But in some cases, those, those options might not be available to you. And you do need to make it, you do need to make up the principal pay down. So, you know, being prepared for a bigger payment is important as well. And 
I'd say the biggest piece of advice I could offer is, is you don't have to figure this out on your own. You know, professionals like us can, can certainly help navigate this and, and walk you through it and, and ultimately figure out the options in a process of elimination to, to ultimately start with the options that aren't going to involve increasing your payment by uh, really any dollars. Well explained. Derek, any thoughts on that? Anything else that you want to add on the trigger point trigger rate that you're talking about right now? Yeah, not really, other than the fact that we've spoken with institutions about trigger points and it's a very uh it's a very out there uh guideline that i don't even think they really understand what they would do or how they would go about it because they haven't really seen it and i mean you have to you have to justify values in those situations we're not talking about rates we're talking about values and loan to value and equity in the property which would essentially mean that they have to justify current market value of a property look at the loan balance and we're talking millions of mortgages and millions of properties and different markets and appraisals and there's just so much to it it seems very very unrealistic that that the trigger point conversation would come up the trigger rate piece for sure i think that that could absolutely be a real thing for a lot of people but again it's not going to be a dramatic dramatic amount typically that's going to make or break your situation well said. Well, there's a lot more that we can go on here, guys, but I think we hit the nail on the head for this week's market update. Uh, folks, I hope you like this episode, this little round table. Let us know. Send us some feedback, guys. We really need to hear it. Sometimes we get a little bit, uh, some messages over to our Instagram channel. Uh, we get the odd email and text message. Uh, we got Dean, Derek, and I. We'll tag up our personal accounts. You can send us a DM to let us know what you think, but definitely the feedback at Thrive Mortgage uh, Co. on Instagram at the YBR. Remo Show is our Instagram account or on our website. If you're looking to work with our team, we are here for you. If you're a real estate agent and looking to partner with a better lender that focuses on education versus selling and moving people into products that don't make sense, again, reach out to us and we'll set up a call to see if we can support your amazing clients. Have an amazing day. Enjoy this uh, beautiful summer and uh, we will see y'all next time.